So we're going to start with Ephesians 2, uh, verse 19, if you want to follow it in your Bible or on your phone. It says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And um, I did my sort of usual thing of, thank goodness I haven't got to speak every week because I tend to marinate on a bit of scripture like this when I'm speaking for quite a long time. <laughs> and uh, it was quite a few weeks ago when uh, I was praying about this scripture when I just felt God speaking so clearly about needing to fully understand the relevance of Jesus as the chief cornerstone. And there's so much richness, isn't there, in scripture? There's so much that we could say. We could all talk for weeks probably on the, some of the richness we find in the Bible, in the word of God. But I hope today feels like um, a sense of God speaking to you where you're at. Um, I know I felt like God speak to me as I was um, looking at this passage. Of course, there's a whole lot around um, the sense of foundations and the metaphor of foundations and building in this passage. And we are gonna come on to that in a little while. But when I was praying about this passage, there was a really powerful image of the gospel that I felt um, God give me, which I felt was important to share today. So as I was praying, I had an image of the sun rising on a building. And uh, we're in that stage now, aren't we, of winter sun, so uh, although it's dark outside now, but so we see that sunlight really piercing into the spaces that we inhabit, especially being at home um, during lockdown. But I had this image of the sun rising on a building and as the day wore on, the sun moved around the building from where it had started. And what was once in the darkness was bathed in glorious light. You know, and this is the heart of who Jesus is. I felt like God saying, this is the heart, the essence of the gospel is where darkness turns to light. When we meet him, our life turns a corner. That's kind of a phrase, isn't it? We use in life, he's turned a corner. They've turned a corner when things go from bad to good. We see it in creation. We see darkness to light is in our creator God's DNA. And Peter talks about it in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, following on uh, again another reference to Jesus being the cornerstone and a living stone, that we're a chosen generation, that we may proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvellous light. So we just hold that as we move on and ask, okay, so what does this mean for us? So a few years ago, I watched an episode of Spring Watch, not saying that I haven't watched an episode since, spoiler alert. But through it, God spoke to me in a way that I will never forget. Um, it was randomly one of the most powerful things that I've seen. Who knew that was going to happen in an episode of Spring Watch? And when I was sat at the back of St. Leonard's, when we'd been meeting as Minster Church for probably only about a week or so, I really felt the spirit of God say this was important to share on the week that I spoke. So I really believe that we need to hear this today 
I believe that I need to hear this today. In this episode, it was lambing season on the farm and the farmer had an orphan lamb that wouldn't survive on its own. So he took a lamb that had died and he carefully removed the skin from that lamb's body. And he placed the skin over the body of the orphan lamb, like a little jacket, and he fixed it with string. And taking the orphan lamb, he placed it into the pen with the sheep that had lost the lamb. And the sheep greeted the lamb as if it was his own and began to attend to its needs. And I was so moved by that as that image of the sacrifice of that lamb. So powerful. It says in Romans 3, verse 21 to 26, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand and punished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. And there's a line, isn't it, in that, in that song, um, Cornerstone, we sing, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless, we stand before the throne. And just remember that image of that little lamb with the jacket on, Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, clothes us in righteousness. It's not ours. We're clothed in his righteousness, doesn't belong to any of us. Not that we've achieved it, not that we've attained it or qualified for it in any way except that God in his love freely lavishes it on us, that we as orphans, not previously belonging or included, in fact, we were enemies, it says in Ephesians verse 15, we were enemies, completely cut off from God. But like in the simplest sense, the orphan lamb cut off from the sheep would have been destined for death without intervention, is clothed in, clothed in the death of the lamb to be presented as though there were never anyone else's. And you know, the gospel doesn't conform to the pattern of the world, does it? It doesn't operate or function in the same way as our society. Thank goodness. <laughs> but this can be hard to get our heads around, can't it, when we live in this world that um, is temporal. We live in a world where the same input into different places and spaces can equal wildly different outcomes. You know, consider where we are now with coronavirus, an illness which can cause completely different physical effects and different symptoms for different people. You know, maybe for some people not even knowing that they've got it, but for others actually losing their life because of it. And in some cases, those risks of the virus are greatly increased by um, instances of social standing, by heritage, by, by equality, by the jobs that we do. But you know, the gospel is not divisive. Paul says in Romans 1 verse 16, it is the power of God that brings salvation to all who believe. 
I was thinking about the thief on the cross next to Jesus in Luke 23. You know, he acknowledges Jesus and his own shortcoming and he hears Jesus promise an eternity with God. Weirdly, in some referencing, he's referred to as the good thief. And we're people who are saved by grace, by the once and for all undefeatable act of God's love, not because we're from a certain section of society or good in comparison to others. In the gospel, there's no such thing as the good thief. The recent US election, I don't know if you guys watched that. Wow, waiting for those results. That was a few days. I'm not going to get back. Two parties and personalities promoting their values, touting for support, using almost any means, it seems, or any possible uh, outworking of petitioning to persuade people to vote them to power. But we don't have to petition for our worth with God. We don't have to try and prove ourselves or sell ourselves like the presidential race. It's said in my um, study Bible, the source of our election is by God's grace. Wow. I thought that was amazing. You know, we are in. We're in. We're included. We're not rejected. We're not cast aside. We are all saved, lifted from darkness to light because of what God has done through Jesus. Because of who he is. So what does that mean for the church? In our Ephesians passage from verse 16, the message version says, Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and preached to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. And that's the bottom line again, isn't it? We are all united through Jesus' death on the cross. He treats us as equals. We have equal access to the Father. Remember the orphan lamb. It's the same starting point. It's the same promise in Jesus. When Jesus died, we read in Matthew 27, verse 51, that the veil was torn in two. And the veil was the curtain that separated the clean from the unclean, a physical line or kind of barrier within the temple that prevented just anyone from entering where God dwelt by his spirit. The place which could previously only really be accessed by the high priest. The veil was this visible barrier between the person of God and, and his holiness. And the significance of the removal of this barrier is we all have access to the presence of God through the ultimate sacrifice of the Lamb of God, Jesus. It says in Hebrews 10, verse 19 to 25. So friends, we can now without hesitation walk right up to God into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is his body. So let's do it, full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshipping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. We're encouraged to support each other in accessing God, encouraging love and helping out. And there's already been some of that going on today. Such a blessing spurring each other on, standing united and seeing each other as God sees us, 
all of us included, no one different, no one superior, no one inferior. God dwells in us. We are his people. We are his church. It says in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16, do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? As a church, God is building us together on the foundation of our salvation, on Jesus, the cornerstone. His home is in us and we are united in him. Ephesians 2 verse 19 says, that's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he's building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation, and now he's using you fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. And I love this bit, it says a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. A few years ago, we knocked a wall down in our house well, I didn't personally. We had some builders who did it. But um, apparently you can't just do this. You can't just take a sledgehammer and, and knock walls down. Who knew? So what looked like a simple job needed a new beam to hold the weight that was held by the wall we were taking out. All the parts of the building, all the parts of our house rely on each other for strength and stability. And in the same way as a church, we're built together on the firm foundation of Jesus. He brings that structural integrity he underpins what we do. He is our starting place. It's interesting, isn't it? When we look at the Pharisees in the, in the Bible, they were hugely offended by Jesus's openness to all who believed. In fact, in so many ways, they looked to control access to God. It was deeply offensive to them that Jesus touched unclean people and those whose society marginalised or held back, those who weren't upstanding. And if we are to grow together, to be built as a temple with Jesus as our cornerstone. We need to live with God using all of us, irrespective of how we got here. We need to act like everyone has the right to belong, like everyone is included. Otherwise, we compromise the integrity of the building. We can't just choose to remove the essence of the gospel because it suits us or place barriers in the way to who accesses God like the Pharisees did. What we do affects each other. Every way we turn hinges on who he is. It says in Ephesians 4 verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And I love that phrase, bearing, because it's kind of got the, the double meaning. If we think about our building metaphor, for example, to bear one another up is like support. It's like talking about that beam. It's like holding strong for each other. So we can all stand on a foundation of God's love, like preferring one another. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16 says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. And that's hard, isn't it? Like we've said, it's hard not to view that worldly measuring and valuing in those kind of terms. 
it goes on to say in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That's our hope, isn't it? That's our heart for Telford, is that reconciliation message. That's what we're working together to see. And it says in verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. You know, this is it, isn't it? In a time of uncertainty, we have absolute certainty in our future. And we need to meditate on that. We need to breathe it in. I need to breathe that in. We look around us and there's so much craziness going on. But this is where our hope lies. We need to revisit this and realise this truth is ours. No one can take it away from us. And sometimes I think as Christians, we need to strip away the conditions that other people place on our identity in God. We need to reject the idea that somehow we're not included in God's plan for the church. Last week, Kevin referred to Romans 8 verse 1 at the end, and I thought this was really important, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I feel this is an important truth for us to take on board. Just go back to that image of the lamb. We're accepted as though we were never anyone else's. God doesn't see us beyond the skin of the sacrificial lamb. Beyond that clothing of righteousness that Jesus bought for us when he died on the cross. That's our cornerstone our foundation, our starting place. Amen.